Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Mustertiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by football analyst William Gardner. William, we did a spring ball preview show, and so following those 15 spring practices, let's kind of recap everything we, we saw, heard, and, and thought uh, throughout the month of April. What, what do you think? Sounds like a plan. Let's uh, see what we can derive from our uh, limited exposure to actually seeing things. Off the top, I want to ask you, did spring ball do anything to change your expectations for CU football in 2022? Yeah, I think they did. I think it actually, I'm actually feeling a little more enthusiastic about it, a little more um, optimistic. I think there's certainly some depth issue and um, question marks on this team, but I think overall uh, I saw some things that looked pretty good and heard some things obviously that, that seemed pretty good to me. So I think that the spring practices made me feel uh, more optimistic about this upcoming season. Okay. I don't think it changed my view much. I, I think from a negative standpoint, had some key guys suffered severe injuries that would, would have led me to maybe be more pessimistic going into the, the summer. But And there were guys, a lot of guys banged up. Almost a third of their scholarship players did not participate in the spring showcase. But so many of those guys would have played if it was an actual game. Right. You know, there, there's just no reason to rush Alex Fontenot back from a soft tissue injury to get a few right. reps during spring ball when, you know, this is a guy that's played a lot of football at this point. And, you know, Terrence Lang was walking around with a walking boot, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be a, a major surgery or recovery or anything there. So, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to do the thing where I zero in on the team I cover. And then I just forget that there are positive reports at every other Pac-12 program too, right. In the springtime, yeah. Maybe maybe a minus Arizona State. That that sounds like a mess down there. But uh, most of these programs are going to have feel good stories come out of the spring, and so I'm pretty good on the micro level. I you know, I can break down their long snapper for you, but on the macro sense, I just I cover CU. I'm so immersed in that it's hard for me to compare it to these teams are actually going to be playing in the fall. Well, and it's hard to make. It's always hard to know. I think what to make out of uh, spring ball or fall camp because if you see one, if you see something good. You really have to wonder, is it because we're good or because on the opposite side of the ball, we're bad and you're playing against each other. So it's really hard to tell. And then, you know, the really one of the big purposes of spring ball is to develop younger players. So a lot of younger guys get a lot of reps that they wouldn't otherwise have. I mean, I don't, you know, God bless Charlie Offerdahl, but I don't really expect to see him too much in games. But uh, I mean, I think if, if you look back on our sort of our history as a board, there's always a spring ball hero that sort of disappears when the season comes around but that's the nature of spring ball is to kind of give people an opportunity to show something and uh if you're a good coach position coach head coach whatever you're really working to develop not just your starters but your depth and get a lot of people repetition so i think like you were saying we don't need to see they didn't need to see tommy brown play they know what he can do um and they really did need to see more of austin johnson and uh Fenske and some of those other interior guys. So I doubt that he would have been held out of a game for whatever he had going on. But uh, I know people had concerns about the injuries in spring. And and I would just say, I don't think you can draw any conclusions about Turley or the program or whether we're tough or anything else from spring ball. You, you just kind of have to watch it and have a little fun with it and, and 
look for individuals who stand out, I think. I will say, yeah, you're right. Charlie Offerdahl is not going to be out there a ton this year, but the fact that he's kind of a serviceable guy, you don't have to rush Anthony Hankerson on campus, right? You at least have kind right. of a, a fifth option there if you did need him at, at tailback this year. And I'll tell you, I think actually Jack Castera might get on the field a little bit this fall. He's actually a pretty good receiver. Yeah, he's not bad at all. And, you know, for some reason, you reminded me of something else that I that I noticed in watching the spring game, spring showcase, whatever the heck we're calling it. But it was clean. OK, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of delay a game. There wasn't a lot of knuckleheaded sort of penalties. There weren't missed assignments. People seem to know what they're doing. And I almost hesitate to say it. We look like a pretty well coached team out there that everybody seemed to be in the right spot and know what they were doing. Um, and if you've got a well-coached team, you know, then you can do a lot of things, I think. So that was a positive to me. If you, had your druther, if you had your druthers, though, would you like to see maybe a couple more touchdown drives out of the offense in the spring showcase? I don't know. You know, it, there's some things that stuck out to me, like we weren't throwing the ball deep very much. Well, we weren't throwing the ball deep at all. Uh, so when you talk about vanilla offense, they certainly were. And um I thought when we needed when they needed to, they were able to pick up third downs, both running the ball and throwing the ball. Uh, I saw um, some things that I really liked. Jaylee Stacks is going to be a weapon, both up the middle and he he had one wheel route. I think it was a wheel route out of the backfield where he got a nice yardage in in the pass. But uh, I don't know if you if you see a hell of a lot of touchdowns, then do you turn around and go, "Wow, our defense stinks"? I mean, that's the problem with spring ball. You don't know what's the cause and effect of anything you're seeing, but uh, I don't think they were taking shots at the end zone. I don't think that they were pressing real hard to get to the end zone. That that may sound wrong or bad, but um, I think they were working on what they wanted to work on. I was encouraged by the offense, quite frankly, regardless of scoring, because I don't think that was the purpose of the, of the scrimmage. Yeah. On the subject of if one side gives up a big play, then you criticize that versus praise the the side of the ball that made a big play. I think that is more common when you're coming off a four and eight season, unless if they are come off an eight and four season, then you are always kind of viewing things through a glass half full lens. Right. Well, and I think, you know, our fans and particularly, you know, a lot of people are a little bit snake bit on the board, I think. And, and they tend to have that first reaction be, uh, you know, if there's a big play in the spring, well, the other guy sucks. Uh, the other guy didn't do his job. The defensive guy was no good. Um, and I don't think that's fair. Uh, there was a lot of takeaways from that game on Saturday that I thought were very positive. Um, and so, to be honest with you, it didn't really uh, register to me too much that there weren't a lot of touchdowns. But then again, I'm sort of focusing on the middle of the pack and what they're doing in there um, and not so much the skill positions, I guess. So I guess that's maybe natural to me. I was watching the inside play and I was encouraged from both sides of it mentioned that a third of the scholarship players were unavailable for the spring showcase that had Colorado with just six healthy scholarship offensive linemen for the spring showcase. And one of them was an early enrollee, Travis Gray, and he's not going to play in games this year as a first year guy. But I was quite a bit encouraged with what I saw from Travis Gray in his first spring at CU. We went out to see him last year and we, we knew that he looked the part. The question was, was that drive and hunger and nastiness in the trenches there? Again, it was a small sample size, but even based on what we heard from the coaches, I feel like that guy's got a bright future at CU. 
Yeah, you know, we went out, you and I went out and saw him um, in their very first game of his last season last year as a, as a high school senior. And, you know, uh, I think he he got a lot better as the season went on. He was there was no question he was athletic and he could bend and he was huge, but there, he was really lost in space and didn't know how to play the position in that game that we saw. Um, and so watching that spring game here last weekend, I was really encouraged by him. He looked really, really good. He, he's really picking up the technique and he certainly did not hesitate to put his head in there and get physical with people. So I think he's going to be a star and I bet you he'll play soon. Maybe not, probably not this year, almost certainly, but uh, he is certainly uh, a nice guy to have in the pipeline for that left tackle spot. So I, I think, and he's, he's just got everything you want. And I just like what I saw in the spring game a great deal. On our spring ball preview podcast, we did a draft drafting teams for guys that were going to be on the roster this spring. There were so many injuries this spring, again, minor injuries, but so many guys that didn't participate in the spring showcase and even the first scrimmage that was open to the media and public that I wouldn't declare a winner based on this spring, based on our draft. But there are some guys that would have gotten drafted had we redone it that went undrafted the first time. Eric Olson at tight end would have been the the other tight end. You, you took Brady Russell. I would have taken Eric Olson if given another try. He didn't have a huge day in the spring showcase, but all spring we kept hearing he was catching a lot of balls. And I'll yeah. tell you, interviewing him, standing next to him, he's one of the, the first guys off the bus. He he looks the part. He's a big guy. And you know what? He he's He's aggressive, and I like that. He needs a lot of work on his blocking in the run game. Um, his footwork is just really bad, but that can be taught. Um, there was one play where he didn't get it. He didn't step right, and he let one of the defensive linemen break inside for a uh, a big play on a run game run tackle, and then he kind of tried to follow and went over and and I can't remember. It's number four. I can't remember who number four is on defense, but. Really kind of cheap shot at him after the play, and I really liked that um, um, Olsen got up and got right back in his face. You know, didn't just take it, which I I think that's a good sign of a young player that they're not going to just be pushed around by the older guys. But he's certainly a weapon in the passing game, and I think they'll work with them on the blocking. Um, and he's got the size and the athleticism and the length to be really good at that at some point down the road. But he gives you a different type of a person to catch the ball than Brady Russell. So I think he's really cemented himself as that second tight end. He played a lot of plays in that spring game, yeah. a lot of plays. And and so I really got a good picture of, of what he's about. And he's huge. We drafted six defense alignment, but we did not draft Justin Jackson. If we w- went back and redid it, he would have gotten drafted. Uh, it, we were justified because he just hadn't shown much since yeah. he transferred in from the JUCO ranks. But this Spring, he showed why Auburn in West Virginia made a late run at him. Uh, and he told me it's a lot of it's just came down to his effort. He's putting in a lot more effort, extra hours in the film room and in the weight room this offseason. And, and that's a nice little piece for them because one of our questions going into spring ball is where's the depth going to be on this D-line? So to have a guy that's been around a while now is physically mature. Justin Jackson's going to be part of that mix. I don't as long as Sami, Rodman, and Lang are healthy, he's not going to start, but he's now a valuable piece of that defensive line. So that was another name I was going to say was, was uh, Justin Jackson. And then um, I don't know if Isaac Hurtado got drafted, but I saw a couple of really nice plays from him. And then the other guy who really jumped out at me 
was Mr. Williams at inside linebacker. He had a really good day. I don't think he got drafted either. Yeah, you're right, William. Uh, Mr. Williams would have been definitely in the conversation to get drafted if we did this over again. And then on the edge, Alvin Williams would have definitely been a pick by one of us. He was one of the guys consistently throughout spring ball. Carl Durrell just kept mentioning over and over again. Yeah, and he was a big surprise and, and a pleasant surprise. And maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe the best pass rusher at this point on the team. Um, I think that's one thing that to me – I did not see, and I think some people on the board might take issue with it, but I still don't see a pass rush from this team so much. Um, but uh, I thought that Alvin Williams was a guy who may may bring some of that, and then Chance Maine may bring some of that as well. Can I put you on the spot on this podcast and, and ask if you'll be part of the top of voting again? Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> Although it would probably be a very different list than last year. It's going to be splitting hairs with a lot of players. Yeah. I'm really anxious to see. I mean, you, it might be a case where Terrence Lang is number one on this list. I mean, it's it's hard to say until I really break down each guy. Um, yeah, but, just off the top of my head, it seems to me the three starting defensive linemen may all be top 15. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. So, which is let's nice go position. Was that? I said, which is a nice thing, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, I don't. Does that mean that they're really good, or that everybody else is not? I, again, you know, it's so hard to, to to make that determination sometimes. Let's tie up some loose ends and just go position by position, William. I'm going to maybe say what I learned or didn't learn this spring, and then have you react to that. Okay. Uh, starting a quarterback, as we expected, you know, this competition really isn't getting started until the summer. And, uh, you know, I know there's a couple of people on our board that think there is no competition, but that's simply not true. These coaches will be putting on a quarterback competition. Brennan Lewis started every game last year, and JT Shroud's going to have to earn this job. I did my depth chart predictions following spring ball, and I had JT Shroud number one. That's the guy that I predict is going to be the starting quarterback, but it's not a guarantee. No, I don't think so at all. And I, th- I saw enough from uh, Brendan Lewis on Saturday to feel much better about him um i think he does a lot better job stepping up in the pocket i think he's doing a better job of finding guys i would downfield by downfield i don't mean deep downfield but uh in the crossing zones and in in open spots and getting the ball to him i thought he looked a lot better today than or not uh, on saturday than he did at any time last season so i see lots of improvement there and i am certainly not uh on board with the people that say he's that, that we're in trouble if he starts. I, I think he could really bring a lot to the table. Now, you know, you watch the seven on sevens and you can, you can, you know, even a dumb line guy like me can see the difference in JT Shroud's arm when he throws the ball. But the question remains, can he do it under pressure and can he read a defense and get the ball where it's supposed to go? So yeah, there's a lot left to be uh, determined at that position. Um, you know, beyond those two, do we have anybody that we could put on the field? I think, I think from my view of spring ball, I think the third guy I would go with is Maddox, Maddox cop, but I think we need a lot more depth at quarterback for sure. Yeah. Mike Sanford said the final week of spring ball, that there just wasn't anything really separating Maddox cop, Drew Carter, and he even threw walk on transfer James Mott in there. Um, so 
at some point between Cop and Carter, I have a hard time thinking both those guys are going to be finishing their eligibility in Boulder and Cop right. has already transferred. So I'm not trying to create speculation here, but if Carter doesn't win that third job coming into the season, I, I don't know what his future in Boulder looks like, but I'm not trying to write him off. No, and of- I, I mean, I, I would look at the two of them and I think Cop has the higher ceiling and he certainly has the better body for a quarterback. Look better to me on Saturday. So how that works out, I think, has to do with how hard they both work in the offseason and how much progress they make. At running back, another position we really didn't learn anything this spring because yeah. the guy, Ramon Jefferson, that I expect to be there starting running back. And I don't know, maybe I'm setting expectations too high, but I think that kid has a chance to be a thousand yard back. I call him a kid. He's going to be a, a senior this year, but I love his film. And Darian Hagan kind of lights up when he talks about him coming in this summer. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I love his film, too. And I think he's a different kind of a running back than we've had in Boulder in quite a while because he's got some size and some and he along with the size, he's got some wiggle and ability to make people miss tackles and then break tackles as well. So I think he could be very special. And then, you know, we, of course, we didn't see um, Fontenot on Saturdays either. So that didn't show us too much either. But I, I do think it's going to be the competition between those two. Um, you know, Deion Smith brings us a very competent third person in that mix. And so I'm, I'm, I think that the running back position would be fairly strong on the team. Yeah. And Victor Venn comes in this summer. I, you know, that's a position guys can play early. Maybe he gets his feet wet, especially when you consider you don't want it to happen, but that's a position where guys get right. banged up because they're, they're magnets out there. Uh, and I mentioned Charlie offered all, I think you kind of plug him in fifth. I don't think you really put Jay Lee stacks in this group. He's kind of his own off set in that running backs room as a fullback that they'll use in short yard situation, which yeah, he did I, a I, good job of last year until he got sick. Yeah. And I, and I, and I saw uh, some special things out of stacks on Saturday. I thought, you know, both on short yardage uh, third down and also as a receiver out of the backfield, I think he's a, a very specific special kind of a weapon in the passing game. If you use him right. And it looked to me on Saturday, like they were using him that way you get him out on a swing or out on a wheel route or something like that and get him the ball where it's again, him against some defensive back, he's going to punish some people. And I like it. I actually got a chance to get coached by Darian Hagan in a charity basketball game last night at at Cherry Creek. That was a really fun experience uh, for a great cause. Darian's son uh, about a decade ago uh, committed suicide. So it was uh, an event to kind of provide awareness for mental health and, and also to support, uh, you know, some of the suicide missions that are out there. So it was a really cool event. Guess who was the MVP of the game? William? Uh, I have no idea. Josh Ford. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. There's a name from the past running back from Mullen was, he was, he, he, he was always the star of spring ball. And the star of charity basketball games, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Did uh, Hagen throw up his hands trying to coach you? I hit the game clinching three-pointer, so now he was happy with me. Uh, I'm not going to pretend I was one of the best players on the court, but I got to play with the Harlem Globetrotter on my team. Bobby Pesaveno was on my team. Uh, Rodney Speedy Stewart was on my team as well. Uh, oh so D- Devon Thornton was on my team. So it was a really fun event. Brian Howell was on the other team that was coached by Derek McCoy, a receiver at CU in the early 2000s. Uh, gosh, who else was out there? Daniel Graham was in the stands. Dave Logan was there. Chase Penry, Trevor Woods came down to, to support everybody. 
it was just a really cool, cool event. Hopefully they decide to do that again. Uh, or maybe I should just retire after that hitting that. Yeah. Right. Take your glory. Game. Yeah. Disappear into the sunset. It was one of those things where I was open and the ball came to me and the, the clock was ticking down. I didn't have a choice, but it was definitely, I wasn't going out of my way trying to take that shot, but you know, when the ball finds you in that situation, you gotta, you gotta try to knock it down. That's right. All right, moving along to receiver. What did we learn here? We learned Daniel Arias is putting it together. Now, is that going to translate to games this fall? I think we're all a little apprehensive there, but yeah, I think I, that, that kid has been through so much. And I, yeah. uh, there's no kid on this team that I'm rooting for more this year than Daniel Arias. No, and he seems like a really good person and a nice guy. You know, I, I think we're just all going to be a little skeptical until he actually. Uh, does it consistently on game day and doesn't have big drops and and you know his I was watching the the television broadcast of the spring spring game this morning to kind of refresh my memory and one of the announcers said he reminds me of Michael Pittman and I was like hey whoa hold on a minute man <laughs> that's getting a little crazy right there uh, but certainly in terms of size and speed yes I can see that that comparison but now he needs the production. And, you know, if he has the kind of production of a Michael Pittman in his senior year, man, you know, things could happen on this offense for sure. RJ Sneed was limited in those scrimmages. I think part of that is this staff knows what RJ Sneed can do, even though he hasn't been at CU to be Baylor's leading receiver two years ago, their second leading receiver last year. I mean, he's an established guy that's going to be their number one option this year. Montana Lamonius Craig made some nice plays. I, I still don't, think he's taken that step to being a bona fide. You got to keep him on the field all the time. I think he's right. going to be more of kind of a rotational guy still. Yeah. But you know, with his, with his athletic talents, you never know at, at any moment that could happen and he could translate into that because he had some nice moments in the spring game and uh, seemed to have the right attitude and will work hard at it. So we'll see if he takes that next step next year. Maurice Bell. Nice to see him back in the mix. Uh, Whenever I talk to these guys coming back from a, a torn Achilles, I end up bonding with them because I had one a decade ago. It's one of those when you've been through it, you kind of bond over it. And uh, it's great to see him back out there again. I think he's kind of in that as long as he's 100 percent healthy, works all the rust off. I think he's kind of in that Lamonius Craig mold where he'll be out there maybe half the time kind of rotating in with that group. Right. Yeah. Um, it's been 10 years since you had that. Wow. Yeah. The, the time flies. It but, does. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, I think obviously one of our leading receivers is going to be Chase Penry, and he didn't play on Saturday. But uh, um, Bell is a guy you'd like to see break out and and, and finally live up to what, what flashes he's shown before. Um, I mean, Jack Castero was kind of the star of the scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. There's not a whole lot. Else. There's n nothing else that really jumped out at me from the wide receiver position this spring. And Ty Robinson missed pretty much all of spring with an injury as well. So he wasn't out there, a guy that you would have liked to get those, those spring reps. in. like you said, spring ball so much about developing those young guys. It's unfortunate right. that he couldn't go at tight end. Uh, obviously Brady Russell's your one. We talked about Eric Olson already. Austin Smith brings something different to that group with his speed, very much a raw player at this point. And then Caleb Fourier was hurt. And then just always consistently kind of the afterthought in that position. And I'm not trying to be mean towards him, but Lewis Passarella, I just have a hard time seeing him getting on the field. Yeah. Well, yeah, he hasn't done much. And, 
we'll get to this later in the podcast, but uh, Louis Passarello and I'll uh, frankly make some comparisons in our current recruiting. But um, yeah, I, um, the guy I'm, I keep you keep being kind of disappointed about is Fourier because you want to see what he can do and uh, not being able to really be out there and do much. But then Olson showed us a lot. Um, Austin Smith seems to be more of a faster kind of a guy, but really didn't jump out and show anything either. So, I mean, at this point, I really think you only have Russell and Olsen as guys you could count on. And so they're going to have to work on that and get some development this summer for sure. The O-line, I'm going to defer mostly to you. I will say one thing, though. Casey Roddick has gone from a guy that was, okay, you put him out there as a starter and you feel okay about it, to I honestly think he's an all-conference guy this year, and maybe, maybe, maybe better. He's really good because I, I watched, you know, I, you know. So it took me a long time to watch that replay of the of the game because I was looking into every position. And the one thing I wrote down in great big letters was that Roddick was dominant in both aspects, pass protection and run game. I, I'm just trying to think of an accolade that fits. I mean, he looked like an NFL guy out there to me. Um, and he's really improved his game. His technique is, is really there. Uh, he's rebuilt his body. He's in better shape. And I just thought he, he was dominant this spring. And again, it's against your guys, but I tell you what, you know, he was out there doing a good job against Rodman and, and Sammy and Janaz Jordan. And those guys are not stiffs. So I think you can trust what you saw in the spring game, but Roddick is our, without question, our best offensive lineman at this point. I have not personally seen Tommy Brown play yet, so I can't make a, much of a judgment there. But uh, we're absolutely solid with with Casey Roddick for sure. What are your thoughts on the rest of the guys? You know, Jake Wiley, Noah Fenske, Austin, Big Salsa Johnson, and, and Frank Phillippe and the other guys. We already talked about Gray. Well, anything stand out to you about those other guys that were in the spring showcase? Well, one thing that's funny is that every time every time you put Noah Fenske second, it sounds like you're saying no offense to the first guy. So you said, <laughs> you said, Jake Wiley, no offense, ski. Uh, or it sounded like you were apologizing for him right off the bat. Then I'm like, Oh no, you're talking about no offense. Key. Um, let me start with the tackles. And I'm going to tell you that people are just wrong because uh, Philip and Wiley both look good on Saturday. It's not always easy to tell watching the game live, but the film doesn't lie. And they both look very solid to me. Um, you know, I'm not going to say all conference or anything like that, but they both looked very solid and Wiley really had a good day. Um, Frank Phillip had a couple plays where his, where he got sloppy in his technique or got caught leaning. But, um, I feel very good about Phillip and Wiley as our starting tackles right now. Obviously there's no depth behind them and that's a problem. Uh, I guess your, your go-to would be Tommy Brown first. And then after that, I don't know. You know, Tommy Brown, I think, well, you know, we didn't, I didn't see him personally, but uh, I don't have any reservations about him playing guard. And I, and I think it's clear to me after watching the spring game, why Tommy Brown is a guard, because I think there's real question marks about Fenske and Austin Johnson so far. Um, out of the starting five, the weak spot is Noah Fenske, and there's no question about it. Uh, he doesn't play as big as he is gets pushed a little bit and I got to tell you our issues against the pass rush on Saturday were primarily inside they were issues with uh generally speaking uh Austin Johnson or Noah Fenske I don't think uh 
Casey Ruddock didn't have any problems with pass protection, but uh, Fenske had a rough day, and I'm concerned about him at center. Now, one thing that was nice, whether it was him or Johnson, was we all the snaps were really good right where they needed to be. So that's a positive. Um, Fenske needs to get more stout up there in front. Uh, they both move well. And so when we're playing a game where we get them moving, so I saw one really beautiful uh, uh, combination block with uh, Fenske and, and at center and Casey Roddick, and they work really well together. And so when we get Fenske moving, I like him a lot. When he has to stand in there and take on a 325-pounder one-on-one, that's a little concerning right now. And he just doesn't seem to have um, – he's, he's not as stout up front as I would like him to be. So I don't think that center position is settled by any means. And I'm not sure that I'm sold yet on either Austin Johnson or Noah Fenske. So if they're going to bring in another offensive lineman, I think it needs to be an interior guy. If they're going to bring in two, then bring in a tackle for depth. And, a, and a, But, of course, we pick up a couple tackles in the summer, and we'll see how they do. Um, and if there's anything that Devan can coach, it's going to be those two interior guys. So I think he's got to put some work in with those with those two kids. And it's hard to tell about anybody else because everybody else was dinged and didn't play so much. So, yeah, uh, I did. I did hear good things about Jackson Anderson early yes. in the spring before he got hurt. Uh, yeah. and it would have it would have been so nice to have Luke Eckhart and Alex Harkey, at least on campus this spring. Right. So you just had some idea. OK, is this going to be somebody that can actually be on the field and be serviceable this year? And you just don't really know until they're right. running through a practice. And Jared Christian Lichtenhan, this could have been a huge spring for him had he stayed healthy. Right. And so you just you have no idea the depth <laughs> there. But you've got bodies. You just don't know. Right. Uh, how big of a concern that is at this point. You, you know, and like we both said earlier, I, uh, I think that that Gray is a guy that's going to be a heck of a player down the road. But I don't know how long that's going to be before that happens. And um, I'm just I'm, I'm playing through my mind whether whether I would panic if we had to put him in there, a left tackle, because we all saw, you know, how how bad that can be with a freshman with Jake Wiley. Um especially what a true freshman would be in this case. So I hope. And Jake, yeah, Jake Wiley was a third year freshman because right. of COVID. Uh, right. I, I, I just don't think that would be fair to Travis Gray. I don't no. think that's no. a fair spot to put him in. Although he, he's just so ginormously huge that he would have at least a chance there. I got to tell you what I, what I saw from him in the spring game was really good. It was really good. Travis Gray has come so far in so few months from when we saw him last was August or September um, that I, I think he could do better than you think, but I still, yeah, we don't want to see a true freshman in that tackle spot. I was like, Ryan, was Ryan Miller the last true freshman offensive lineman to play like that? Um, well, it was him and, and uh, uh, the other kid that same year, um, Kai Maiava. Kai Maiava actually started first that season at guard. And then, um, Ryan Miller came in and started a tackle next to him. At, at one point, we were starting two true freshmen. They did pretty good, but I think that's correct. I can't think of anybody since then. I think Max so. Tuioti Mariner, who was kind of in that same era, also played his true freshman year, at least early on. But, yeah, it's it's so rare. But not as a starter, yeah. And so, you know, but I, I'm encouraged by a lot of things I saw out there. I, you know what? I thought they looked like a lot. I thought they looked like a pretty well-coached 
offensive line, to be perfectly honest with you. They were set. They didn't have dumb mistakes. Um, there were some technique issues, and that's just going to be repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, I am a little concerned that the shortcomings of all with Fenske are just him. Um, not so much technique issues, but that he doesn't have the power to, to hold onto that spot. But we'll see. You know, we'll see what the van and Turley do with him. Um, and uh, we'll see if he's going to have to develop some depth. I don't know. You know, I'm very, I'm, I feel fairly comfortable with four guys at this point. Um, and he's going to have to figure out that other spot and some depth. And for the first time in a very long time, we talked about the offensive line group without having to beat a dead horse with the coach rod stuff. It's nice to be able to right. move past that at this point. Right. And I guess I just brought it up. So <laughs> kind right. of defeats the purpose, but, but, but it's nice. We, to watch, it's, it's nice to watch them in a game situation and see how they're playing, which tells, tells me a lot about how they're being coached. And it looked a lot better. Saturday. Defense line, yeah, defense line. We already talked about Lang, Sami, Rodman being the guys with Justin Jackson, kind of boosting his stock. And uh, would you put Chance Main more in this group? He's kind of playing the same position as Terrence Lang, right? Um. Uh. Yeah. So as a if we're in a four man front, certainly he was the starter at the other edge position. Um, he played with a hand in the ground. Yeah, Chance Main, I think is is. He looked pretty solid to me. Looked pretty good out there uh, at that defensive end spot. I think he'll be stout against the run. So I think he gives us that that fourth starter. And then just to close out that defensive line discussion, William, you got to talk about the three redshirt freshmen. Ryan Williams has been a guy that we've heard some praise for, and I think we'll get a chance to get some reps this year. I think a little bit behind him is Alan Ball, and then Tyus Martin who kind of shocked me by playing a few defensive snaps as a true freshman, given that he came off a severe back injury was kind of held out for precautionary reasons this spring, but I ran into him. That's out of practice. He made it sound like he's going to be full go this summer, but I think of that group right now, Ryan Williams seems to be the guy that's going to be the biggest factor for this group. Yeah. And I was a little surprised not to see more from any of those guys this spring or hear more from them and, and see more in that spring game. I didn't really notice much. Um, you know, we haven't, we didn't say too much about Janaz Jordan, but I was impressed by the game on Saturday. And so I liked what he had to say, what to, to do, you know, so I think we got, uh, maybe four or five guys that, uh, six, maybe six, maybe as many as six guys that I feel pretty good about out there. And then you got to keep working on the young guys and keep bringing in other guys. We talked about lack of depth at some spots outside linebackers, not one of those spots. They've got five guys that there's really not a whole lot separating the number one guy on my post-spring depth chart and the number five guy. Now the number five guy that I had, Josh Gustav, and he could certainly work his way up that list because he's played at CU. He was injured, still coming back from that knee injury. Um, but Guy Thomas, Alvin Williams, Jamar Montgomery, Devin Grant, those guys are all Pac-12 outside linebacker caliber guys at this point. And then you've got Zion Magali, who appears to be a little bit in that developmental stage, but right. That's a group you, you really like top to bottom, or at least I do. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of guys there that can do a lot for us. I was a little surprised to see Devin Grant sort of drop on your, your perspective uh, depth chart based on what he did during the season last year, but that's good. The more competition you have, the harder everybody's got to work. And so I do think that we've got some guys that can make some things happen 
we really got to develop a pass rush. I mean, we haven't had, you know, how often in the last 10 years do we ever have a pass rush? And so if we can find it from those guys, that's, that's great. And if we can have more depth and get some more fresh guys out there. But I do think we've got uh, uh, some people um, who can play at that position at this level for sure. At inside linebacker, I think that's a position they got to bring in a transfer. And I reported uh, yesterday about a really, really talented middle linebacker from West Virginia that, that scheduled visit the Buffs. That would, if he commits, I, I guess I'm kind of teasing a little bit for our paid subscribers, but I feel like uh, that, that could really solve a big question you have with this defense. Quinn Perry is a very physical guy, but to be able to bring in an established power five inside linebacker, middle linebacker to run this defense would be huge. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I'm not as down, I don't know, you know, guys get a, a certain reputation on the board and that's it. And nothing will ever change it. I don't think Quinn Perry's as much of a liability as some people make him out to be. I think he brings some very solid things to the game and you have to put him in positions that will work for him. Um, Isaac Hurtado showed some things. Mr. Williams showed some things. Uh, so we've got some players at those stand-up linebacker spots, I think, that can do stuff. But if you can bring in a guy that was that was a honorable mention, all all Big Twelve, yeah, you want to do that because that's going to increase the level of, of competition and, and talent on the team. Um, and I and I and I I have to wonder. I can't remember the kid's name from West Virginia, but I have to wonder if he wouldn't have got even more recognition if he wasn't just a little bit taller. Because um, I think a lot of times people have a hard time giving kudos to those guys that are five ten playing linebacker and things like that. And Mark Smith said that Robert Barnes has taken on his challenge of being more physical in the trenches. That's one of those things I want to see on game day. Uh, yeah. but, but obviously you like to hear that. And then Owen Carey for his first spring on campus, I thought was uh, a bright spot. Yeah, he was very impressive. I thought, and I saw, saw him a couple of times in the game and, and he can move. Uh, he's going to, you know, he'll develop his strength and what have you, but he lived up to his initial billing. I thought in his first uh, play out there. And I think he's a guy that you can put on the field and, and have him do some things for you in the spring, in this, in the fall, in game times. Definitely going to be a special teams contributor. I think right off the bat at the very least. Yeah. It, another guy to talk about here, William is Marvin Ham. I did a story on him today. Uh, I looked back and of the top 11 ranked recruits in that 2019 class, which was Mel Tucker's transition class. Nine of those guys have transferred out of the program. And so the only two guys that ranked in the top 11 of their signees that year that are still on campus are Ham and Austin Johnson. And I get it's a new college football. A lot of different programs are dealing with guys leaving. But when you look back three years and, and nine out of your top 11 have transferred, that, that's a big deal because those are the guys that at this point are transitioning into being veteran players that would be taking that next step like we expect a Marvin Ham to this year. It really hurts you when you lose nine out of 11 out of that group. And that's another reason why when you're consistently making these coaching changes, it kind of sets you back. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that, that means you, you've essentially lost an entire recruiting class that you didn't get much benefit out of. And, um, that's a, that it's just hard to build a program and be consistently successful when you have that happening. And, I don't know, you know, people will make that into what it, whatever they want to do if they want to point a finger at, at Tucker for that or at Darrell for that. But I think it's it's often hard for uh, a new coach to get guys he didn't recruit to buy in necessarily to what he's trying to do. So 
that's certainly an eye-opening statistic when I read that in that article today. Yeah. At cornerback, Nico Reed had the type of spring we were expecting. Kalen Moore was the star of their second scrimmage, had the game-clinching interception for the defense. Joshua Wiggins looked the part as an early enrollee. And then they'll get Nigel Bethel back this summer. He didn't participate this spring. And then also Jason Oliver, an early enrollee. So, so you like the bodies there. Uh, you'd still like to have Christian Gonzalez and Makai Blackman in the program, but uh, that that's one position you could have actually taken a few hits and still be okay. Well, and cornerback seems to be one of the positions where you can play people earlier a lot more than other positions. It seems like that you always get young guys that step in and, and, and do something at that spot. And I guess there's a lot more uh, guys out there with talent to play that position than a lot of other positions. You know, Nigel Bethel's kind of funny. It sort of seems like he's been here for 10 years and, and you hardly remember him actually being out there on the field during, during the season. So, you know, hopefully he finally has a good healthy season and lives up to his abilities. Torn Pittman came in as a safety. He moved to corner last year and he was still a corner this spring. I have a hard time seeing him getting on the field as a corner. Now he, he definitely can help you on special teams, but I, I think he's kind of behind those other guys we're talking about. Yeah. I don't know that he's necessarily built to be, you know, I think I feel like he was built to be a safety, but I don't know if he was moved because they need a body at corner or he wasn't working out at safety. It's hard to say, but. Uh, well, he really hasn't put on any weight since he's gotten on yeah. campus. Well, and he's so tall, you know, he's so tall and lean, but um, he's a guy that can been kind of a disappointment, I think, quite frankly, because I, I think we all expected to have big things happen from him at some point. Another position where there's some depth concerns has got to be safety. Isaiah Lewis was held out for precautionary reasons in those scrimmages. Trevor Woods had a really nice spring, so that was good. But uh, in no offense to Anthony Lyle, I actually have a, a cool story coming on him. He walked on twice now in his college career, and he was out there with the ones. Uh, that's not an offense to him. That's good. He's worked hard to be the next guy up there in the spring situation, but it also does highlight the fact that you need uh, to cultivate some depth there. Jeremy Mack is going to transfer him from the JUCO ranks, but that's a position I think they got to find a transfer before camp starts. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I thought that Lyle played a pretty good game. He looked really good and is in the right place a lot of times on Saturday. But, you know, like you said, there's there's some limitations there and had to walk on twice and maybe he'll prove everybody wrong and, and really be big time. But safety's got to be maybe the thinnest position on the team right now. And I, I, I feel like they really need to bring in another one before summer to uh, hopefully get us up to speed there. And I don't know. It seems like we we would have wouldn't be so thin at that position, but uh, we are. When they are going with the nickel back on the field, I think Tyron Taylor at this point has established himself as the top guy there. He came in and I thought he was skinny as a cornerback, but he's put on some weight. He's still definitely a lanky player. He he's got a different body type than we're used to seeing from a nickel back. He's got kind of a rangier ability. Uh, so I'm anxious to see how that kind of pans out. He got his feet wet in that role last year. Yeah, I think he brings some things to the table and we'll have to see what he does with it and then, you know, really what they're going to do, who, who would be the backup to that position if something was to happen to him. Um, you know, I think we just need an influx of talent in the secondary all the way around to provide the kind of depth that we're that we need especially against a pack of a, a, you know, a power five schedule that we're going to see. Um, and, 
there's a lot of question marks about all of these guys with, you know, Lewis, I think has played enough that we know what he's all about. Um, but there's a lot of question marks in this secondary and, and we're going to have to get some good answers to those in order to have a decent season. Special teams. We didn't really get to see enough of Ashton Logan as a punter to really have a strong impression there. Cole Becker by all counts was pretty solid this spring. I don't have a whole lot to add there in terms of the returners. Chase Penry, Nico Reed, Maurice Bell, Deion Smith are kind of the guys that are in the mix there. I would probably put money on Chase Penry to be their punt returner and then kickoff returner between Nico Reed, Bell, and Deion Smith. I think you either rotate or you kind of settle on two of those three. And Nico Reed certainly showed he could take it all the way, so he's exciting to have back there. Uh, Chase Penry's kind of the safe option at punt returner, which I think coaches tend to like to go with, you know, the the guy that's going to catch it every time first and anything else you get after that is gravy. Um, But we got some guys that can run that could be interesting in that situation or in in those two uh, spots. And it could be exciting. All right. I'm going to leave it up to you to break down. uh, Derek Bedell is the snapper. What what are your thoughts there? (laughs) Well, you know what? We never hear anything. We never hear his name called. So he must be doing a pretty good job. And I think he's, he's solid and we haven't had problems with a long snapper in a long time. And I don't think this will be the year that it happens. Recruiting wise, Colorado has been very busy and active early in this recruiting cycle. 10 commits by far the most in the pac 12. Now that there are some guys that have some solid lists uh, with some other power five options. And you've also kind of got the staff going back to, especially at tight end recruiting. Some guys that are, are, you know, not quite to that caliber in terms of competing against power five schools. What are your overall thoughts on Colorado with their recruiting and having 10 commits? And, you know, at, th- at this point they rank 10th in the country in the recruiting rankings. Obviously that's not going to hold. Right. Uh, what, what are just your overall thoughts? Well, I don't know. You know, I'm, People don't like to hear it, but we're not competing with the power five for the most part with these with these recruits. And you go through and you look at the offer list and obviously, you know, offer lists that we see online are not necessarily the be all and end all. And and maybe they're not accurately reported. But generally speaking, when kids have power five offers, you're going to know about it. And so we see a lot of these guys, even from the top of our list, are guys that either have no power five or one power five other option. And I'm concerned about that. Okay. We ought to be competing out there with other power five teams. And no, I don't mean the top 20, top 30 teams either. I mean that we should not be competing with Bowling Green and Akron and teams like that every single time. And I think we need to up that game a little bit. I'm also concerned about our recruiting on both lines. We have one with Betrand on the offensive as an offensive tackle. And I think he looks like a good prospect. Um, I have to hold on to him and I've liked him from the start uh, again you know you got an A&M offer but before that it wasn't really getting a lot of interest which is interesting to me because he plays in Philadelphia so he's not in the middle of yeah he had a he had an offer from Washington as well in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah right he had that so he's got two so that that's positive I, I watch his film and um, he's not gonna be a left tackle he, he's a great big ginormous guy who could play guard and, and right tackle um and then, you know, Cam Bizor is a is an edge kind of a guy, but I don't think we really have a, a traditional defensive line kind of a commit yet at this point. I would say the one guy who's really killing it out on the recruiting trail is, is Phil McGahan, 
who's really doing a great job with the right receivers. So um, it's pretty encouraging that he, he, his position, ironically, is the one position where they have a lot. All those guys seem to have a lot of other options. And then I don't quite I guess I get Andrew Metzger. You're going to take a chance on a guy with his kind of size um, from in state. That that seems like a solid take to me. But I don't get the kid out of Seattle at all because a kid in Seattle is not overlooked. Um, people have seen him, but they just don't like him. So I'm not quite sure what the what the point is with him. He looks to me like another uh, Louis Passarello. Um, and hopefully he proves me wrong. So we got a lot of numbers of commits, but I don't know. I'm not blown away by the quality of them yet. I will say with CJ Turner, he had a torn ACL. I, I think he's, once he shows that he's fully recovered from that, is going to get a lot of other power five interests. I think that's a guy that they're going to have to work hard to keep on board. I really like AJ Newberry as a running back commit, just his, size speed combo, I think is a, is a good addition to this class. Yeah. And I, you know, he's a, he's a good one too. Um, you know, I'm going to ring, ring the same bell again. He, he's not highly recruited by other pack five power five teams, but, uh, I like what I see on film and I hope that uh, our staff is right in extending that offer and taking that commit at this point. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a nice one. And I don't know. I just, I think we're going to have to, I think we've got our, our fingers in the pie and in quite a few guys that do have a lot of other offers and we need to start closing on some of those kids to finish out this class. What are you most curious about with CU football as you kind of look ahead to the summer months? Well, I guess the next immediate thing is the transfer portal, both is anybody from CU going to leave and uh, who are we going to bring in to fill those last few spots? That'd be the most obvious thing to me is that transfer portal. And then, Really, I guess, development of the players that we already have. We didn't really talk too much. We haven't talked too much about uh, uh, Kyle, about Shannon Turley. There have been a lot of questions on the board about uh, is he living up to his billing as far as injuries and such like that. So I want to see continued development there and, and how they do with that. And if, if this sort of team camaraderie aspect that we've seen so far this spring continues through summer, because that can make a big difference on a team. It really can. Uh, so that's, that's another thing. And then how the recruiting develops, you know, it's kind of hard to look forward to much in the, in these next few months, cause not a lot happens, but, uh, it will be interesting to see where we go with recruiting and how guys develop, I guess. I think that transfer portal is interesting. It's going to be the big thing that people watch for the next few weeks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, if they can get that West Virginia linebacker commit, that would be huge. Like we mentioned, they need to get a safety and then maybe another offensive lineman in terms of guys going out of the program, they already trimmed the fat. You know, there was 23 guys between the start of the season and spring ball that entered the portal and only seven of those guys ended up at other power five programs. So you know, I hate to talk about human beings as dead weight on a roster, but they, they got rid of some of the guys that weren't going to play at CU. And with Carson Lee entering the portal and then Jeremiah Doss medically retiring, they're at 83 scholarship commitments. So if you bring in three guys, which I think is, as far as I know, the limit in terms of number of transfers they can add in, that's 86. And between now and camp, you know, there's going to be at least one right. guy that, you know, there's some kind of issue there. Uh, so you don't really want transfers out of the program at this at this point. They've they've already done that, right? You know, unless you know some of the guys that obviously you know there there might be some guys that see the handwriting on the wall after spring ball that they're not going to play much here and might leave, but that obviously doesn't hurt too much. 
Yeah. And those guys would need to hit the portal by May 1st. Otherwise they won't be eligible to play immediately with that one-time transfer exemption. So uh, I think if there are any guys that are leaving, that'll you know, shake itself out here in, in the next few days. Right. Yeah. Beyond that though, we did, it's just like any other summer, we're, you know, waiting to see who develops and shows up and, I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't know. There's not, there's not a lot of suspense this off season. It seems like. Again, it's a result of them going four and eight. You know, I think the fan base is justifiably pretty apathetic right now. And yeah, doesn't take a lot of wins though to, you know, get those fringe fans back on board. And so hopefully that's the case, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. Yeah. And I think they, you know, I think they did what they needed. I think Darrell did what he needed to do in terms of rebuilding his staff. And I think we've got a pretty good uh, look at, at what those guys are going to do. And and I think it looks like it's going to be a significant improvement across the board. I think now that they've had a chance to all get out there and, and work with these kids on the field, they have an idea what they can do and what they can't do. And so it's on the coordinators and the head coach now to sort of tweak those offensive and defensive plans to fit the players that they have. Like I mentioned, uh, we're going to do the top buffs countdown. So we'll have William, Brian Howell, and myself voting on that. Anxious to, to jump into that. And recruiting never stops. So uh, the coverage on buffstampede.com will continue. And if you're a fan of this podcast, please rate and review the podcast. It uh, doesn't take more than a minute or two and helps us get this show in front of more Buzz fans out there. Appreciate you, William. Thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I guess I got to go up and get some hot dogs and a beer at Crave and see how that place is. Yeah, I'm going to head down there tomorrow since uh, support uh, a loyal Buzz Stampede subscriber. So, all right, William, again, appreciate you. And I appreciate all of you for tuning in.